0: Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where John Negroni and Will Ashton discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. So sit back, relax, and pour one out for the two and only Cinemaholics.
1: Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official entertainment podcast of We Got This Covered. Find all of our episodes on WeGotThisCovered.com, YouTube, iTunes, and more. I'm your cinema host, John Agroni from the Internet, California. And with me, I, of course, have fellow cinemaholic, Will Ashton from the Internet, Pennsylvania. Aloha. And finally, joining us during an episode, the guy who always makes sure everything sounds smoothly, Soundmaster Maverick Hines from the Broadband Basement, whatever that is is finally with us in the studio and uh, he would talk right now, unfortunately. I'm not sure what will happen. He'll probably talk later in the show. We were talking about... He's nodding. Yeah, we're going to talk about Samurai Jack later and that's when he's going to jump in. But anyway, we have an awesome episode for you guys. I mean, we're packed to the grim with this one. And a little bit, we're going to get to our featured review, Kong Skull Island. But first, we're going to cover a couple of quick news stories we want to get to. Later, we'll do a few mini reviews for Samurai Jacks. Season five the new show feud betty and joan which is coming uh i think releasing this week and a bunch of other stuff we're going to be talking about uh, mini review wise later on and to keep track of everything we're covering just take a quick look at our show notes either in the thumbnail of our youtube video or below the fold in this episode description and you can keep up with what we're talking about but as always we always encourage you guys to hang out with us in a more linear fashion real quick there is an email we want to get to that we got last week and we actually we're gonna do two emails this week and we'll do the the second one later in the episode we don't want to throw emails at you all day so let's just start with a, a quick one it was a really great email we got from Vance who's talking to us from the internet Rhode Island and Vance said hey cinemaholics as one cinemaholic to another that was that was definitely a tough episode so he's talking about last week we talked about Logan. We were trying to decide if it really is a masterpiece, and there were definitely some differing opinions on that from people who do think it's a masterpiece and people who don't, and that was a fun conversation. But anyway, back to Vance's email. He said, I love the discussion going on about Logan and the Shack, surprisingly enough, even though I disagreed with both of you by the end of it. I really believe Logan is a masterpiece and will be remembered as one. Yeah, it has problems, but even John pointed out that all of the masterpieces can be picked apart. I think what pushes Logan to masterpiece territory for me personally is how it wraps up a story arc across multiple movies and continuities in a meaningful and logical way. I ate up every second of it, so for this cinemaholic, Logan is an A, maybe even an A+. Great episode. Love the show. Can't wait to hear what you guys think of Kong Skull Island. Uh, well, don't worry, Vance. Your wish is about to be fulfilled, and I think that I think it's awesome you really liked Logan. Uh, we definitely really liked it as well, and uh, yeah, that was just one email that we got that was definitely more on the favorable side of like, yeah, it really is as good, and that's awesome. And uh, what did you think
0: of this email, uh, Will? I thought it was some. It was a good email. Yeah, I like that he was open minded about our criticisms, but he offered his own opinion in a good, you know, way that didn't insult our intelligence or ask us to do bad things so
1: (laughs) yeah yeah i think you're you're referencing a few exact uh negative emails and comments and stuff that we got but that's all That's all good and fun. We're cinemaholics, you know. We're not film critics. Totally, we're not just fanboys. And uh, it's you know stuff like this. It's no surprise that uh, it caused a bit of controversy. But I don't think that same thing's going to happen here with Kong Skull Island because in our review, I think we're gonna. I think you and I, we we don't think exactly the same of it. But I I don't think it's the same kind of. uh, I don't think it's a movie people are hailing as a masterpiece or anything like that. So. That's going to be fun. But before we get to all of that, let's uh, get into some movie news. We have a couple of stories that we want to talk about this week. So with Thor Ragnarok, obviously we want to talk about this one. I mean, it's the third Thor movie. It's a movie a lot of us didn't think was actually going to happen, and it's... it. it Actually, I don't know if everybody really realizes that this is a big Marvel Cinematic Universe movie from the look of it. And fortunately for us, we've just learned a ton of new information and we've gotten a better look, too, at what Thor is going to look like. He has a totally new look, new weapons and things like that. But, Will, I'm guessing you've already seen this new look and you've gotten a little bit of a peek into the story.
0: Yeah, I've been seeing all the pictures and I am really liking this look. I mean, especially my man Jeff Goldblum is looking like somebody I'd h- I'd love to hang out with at a club someday.
1: Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> which picture is that one?
0: The one where he had the little like blue thing under his uh, lip, and he was looking like someone straight out of Jupiter Ascending.
1: Oh man, I haven't even seen that one. So.
0: Oh really? Yeah, that's my favorite one.
1: Oh gosh, okay, yeah, which is crazy because I have like an Entertainment Weekly subscription, <laughs> and I just haven't even taken the time. That's my bad. Oh man. But uh, we, we know it's not just like new look. Obviously, like Thor has shorter hair and a couple of swords. Mm-hmm. What's the big deal? Uh, let's talk about the actual movie. Um, so Enter- Entertainment Weekly broke this uh, a lot of these new plot details. But basically, we last saw Thor, if you're into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, at the end of Age of Ultron, he basically left the Avengers to find out like who was manipulating them. And he, during the course of this movie, he finds out that uh, Loki has been impersonating Odin, who is played who was of course played by Anthony Hopkins. And if you remember from Thor the Dark World, which you probably don't, um, Loki basically is disguised as Odin. Nobody knows where Odin really is, mostly because they don't even know that he's missing at all. And there is a character named Hela or Hella, played by Kate Blanchett, who has reemerged in Asgard because apparently Loki is really bad at leading things. And so, this is going to be sort of the kickoff of Thor Ragnarok. And uh, there's going to be a battle between Thor and Hela, but it's not going to go so well, probably. And so, he's going to end up. And uh, oh, there you go. Jeff Goldblum's playing the Grandmaster. And uh, he's going to be in contact with Thor on this barbaric planet. And the Valkyrie is, of course, in this movie, played by Tessa Thompson. Uh, one of my favorite yeah. characters from this lore. Uh, really looking forward to seeing her in action. And she's also on the cover. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Doctor Strange, The Incredible Hulk. I mean, this movie is going to be packed with tons <laughs> of uh, Marvel characters. Well, uh, so you like the Thor movies? Where, uh, I like the, first one. One? Oh, yeah, the um,
0: first one. Yeah, yeah, I like the first one. I didn't really care for the second one at all. What about Thor in the Marvel, like, Avenger movies? Uh, I think... I mean, I always find it weird that he's used sparingly. Like, he's in the Avengers films, he's just kind of sort of there a lot of the time, even though he's like the most powerful one in many ways, besides uh, Vision. in the comics, really. But I guess, yeah, that's true. they was always like but, right
1: around that fact that he's way stronger than everyone else.
0: Right. I mean, I always just find it weird that Chris Hemsworth can't really find that, like, uh, uh, chemistry, I guess, in any other role because he's, I always think he does a great job in that part and I, he hasn't really had that much success outside of the films
1: he has yeah. right? the last movie I, I remember seeing him in was uh in the heart of the sea
0: right? what about ghostbusters
1: oh you're right i forgot about ghostbusters but doesn't that sort of prove the point right <laughs> I, I, yeah. I just i think about ghostbusters and his role in that and I, I know a lot of people really dug it and they thought he was really funny in that i just don't see it i i didn't find his character hilarious at all did you like the new ghostbusters i forget i didn't i thought okay okay uh, really, really. I just I, I, a couple of good jokes in the beginning, but for the most part, I was just really annoyed with it. I di- I didn't think it was very creative. I didn't think it was very. The only thing about it that I actually kind of liked were like the the actual ghost fighting scenes were pretty interesting. And that's about it.
0: Hmm.
1: But yeah, uh, Thor Ragnarok. I, I, I'm I'm still pretty excited about this one. We're getting a lot of oh, yeah. movies this year, and you know, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is coming out pretty soon. They're already saying. Mm-hmm. That the tracking for that, I mean, this movie is going to be huge. And I think that's the very next one. And then Spider-Man Homecoming and then Thor Ragnarok. I mean, that's a lot.
0: And we got, uh, I can't pronounce his name very well, but Taco Waititi? Taka Waititi, or... yeah. One of my yeah, favorite he,
1: directors.
0: He is amazing. I was just rewatching what we do in the shadows last night. If you haven't seen that movie... Easily one of the funniest movies of these past love, couple I've years.
1: S- what we do in the shadows. I've seen that like five times now. Really? Yeah. I love that movie. I love his movies. I, I loved hunt for the one wilder people, which came out last year. That was
0: a good one too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you, if you don't know who we're talking about, uh, he's like the one re- uh, reason that I haven't, I haven't uh, been that enthusiastic about Thor Ragnarok, just because I don't want him to be sullied. If it, if it sucks, right. I don't want him sure.
0: to be blamed for it, I guess. But. Well, his next movie, they already decided it's going to be bubbles about Michael Jackson's uh, monkey. And it sounds amazing. It's going to be from the same uh, company that made Anomalisa. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah. So and, I think know, he's okay if this one falls through.
1: I honestly, I think that uh, if it's weird, it's good with him. So,
0: Right, exactly.
1: All right, so there's another movie coming out uh, pretty soon-ish that I'm really excited to talk about because the new trailer just came out, the first one. And that is Atomic Blonde.
2: So yeah. It's there.
1: Well, uh you know, first of all, have you ever read the graphic novel this one's based on? Or
0: didn't even know it was a graphic novel, so no. Oh, <laughs> okay. So, so what did you think of
1: the Atomic Blonde trailer?
0: Uh, dude, I love this trailer so much. This is like the first time. I don't know. There's been a couple good trailers this year. It's still early, but this is like the first one. Just like I knew nothing about it going in. I just knew Charlize Theron was in it. Before I hit play on the YouTube machine. And I just loved every. I'm just all about this movie. It's already right up there. It's so badass. It's good ass. I'm just I'm there.
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy. Uh, so it's directed by David Leitch. Who you guys may know. Uh, I think we sort of brought him up. In, uh, when we were talking about John Wick. Because he was part of
0: that. He, yeah he's the uncredited co-director of right, john wick right. the well, first is, one not the second one he's solo
1: directing this one mm-hmm. and uh he was he was a stunt guy basically and part right. of the success of the first john wick was in the stunts and uh those guys the people who made john wick weren't really directors they sort of like came with this pet project and sort of turned a, they made a turn basically into directing through their right. own merit. so the really talented group of people and uh i'm really looking forward to his real like debut as a director
0: yeah and after this, he has Deadpool 2. So this is going to really kinda prove his own merits on his own terms. So I'm we'll excited we'll all the soon,
1: way. Yeah, because uh, this movie is going to be premiering at South by Southwest and tomorrow yeah. from when we're recording. Uh, so we're recording on March 11th. This is going to be mm-hmm. – we're going to be finding out if it's really any good tomorrow.
0: <laughs> Funny right. And We uh, may have we'll egg think- in our face. Come yeah. Monday, but we'll find out when we get there.
1: Well, you know, thirty million dollar budget. I I think that this one has a lot going for it, and uh, it's going to be getting a wider release July twenty eighth
0: of this yes, year. Yes, nice. So
1: hopefully, we'll be able to check out then. And uh, I mentioned this earlier, but yeah, it's direct. It's based on a graphic novel by Annie N. Johnson called uh, "The Coldest City," and it's the same sort of idea. So, like, Charlie Theron is this spy who basically is trying to like hunt after other spies uh, in Berlin, but she's she's an MI six agent going to to Germany and you see that in the trailer and everything. And I mean, it's a hardcore trailer. I mean, there's blood, Mm -hmm. there's like lots of real, like, you know,
0: language, sex, nudity, all about Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. It's sort of like, uh, you you can definitely see the John Wick influences, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely pushed a little bit further. And uh, the aesthetic is definitely a little bit more like neon pink. And it's not quite as like, you know i guess you could say like john wick is sort of like neo-noir this is more of like an action movie
0: right it's that, it's that it's a sly and slick style but it's a little more loose i think yeah. it's a little more playful than john wick was so. i'll watch
1: i'll, weech, I'll watch uh that nah, i'll reach i'll watch charlie's theron and literally anything Uh, yeah she's one of she's one of the like she's not underrated but she's definitely one of the actresses that people forget about or if they forget how awesome she is i think i think some people do i think that whenever there's like a hey who should be in this movie or like whenever you watch those like uh castings for for characters or like um not just like superhero movies but really like big projects people never think of it it's always like oh emily blunt you know they just sort of like spout that off.
0: Hmm. Uh, that's a shame
1: it is yeah but no, she's she's definitely not hurting for work. She's she's been involved in a lot of great stuff. But
0: yeah, she's going to be in Fae the Furious next month. Yeah,
1: I got to say though, I in that trailer, I, I'm just sort of I, I sort of get the impression she's slumming it. But that might just be me. I
0: don't know. Well, she kind of looks like um, Angelina Jolie in Gone 60 Seconds, weirdly <laughs> enough.
1: Uh, with the hair like psyched back. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well,
1: that's Atomic Blonde. Uh, we're both really excited about it. We're going to be linking to the trailer. Uh, check it out if you're of age.
0: For sure. And if you're not, don't tell anybody.
1: <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's get right into our Kong Skull Island review. And uh, my goodness, I, I've I've been following this movie since I think around, it was like around like I don't know 2015. They sort of announced this, and my my thinking going into Kong Skull Island was okay. King Kong is one of the it's it's a movie's movie. It always has been. And I don't know, Will, where you stand on King Kong, the Peter Jackson version. I don't know where you stand on the, the Japanese adaptations, the Monster Mash movies, the, the original in 1933. But for me, I've never watched a King Kong movie and really been that swayed. I've no, I'm not mm. the target audience for this sort of movie, probably, because, I don't know, to me, King Kong is an interesting, f- not maybe footnote is b- diminishing him, but King Kong to me is like, I respect King Kong as a staple, a landmark of cinematic history, but sure. I've never had an experience with these characters like a real genuine experience. I think probably because the Peter Jackson one was way too long, and I just really, it really didn't hit me. But I know a lot of people really love that film, and for good reason, I'd say.
0: But yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the opposite. I love Kong. I think he's great. I've only seen, admittedly, I haven't seen the Japanese ones. I've only seen. The 1933 one, the 70s one with Jessica Lange, and then the 2005 one which you just mentioned with Peter Jackson. But I just, I, to me, Kong just represents everything I love about going to the movie, like a spectacle blockbuster movie. He's just this big, badass dude who just does things his own way, and he's always, you know, more human than ape. But no one seems to want to accept that from him, and I, I just love my Kong. He's a good dude. He's my one of my friends.
1: Well this movie is definitely uh it's a weird one. It's, it's not like any other King Kong movie I've ever seen that. And on purpose, right. It's set in the seventies. It, I mean, the comparisons to apocalypse now, you're going to hear it everywhere because Mm -hmm. this movie, I mean, the poster is basically mimicking apocalypse now. And, uh, the Vietnam war is mentioned in this movie. It's a part of the plot. And so the setup and, uh, I should probably look up the synopsis, but, uh, if you guys aren't aware, so Legendary is doing like a monster verse. It's a monster movie cinematic universe. They kicked it off in 2014 with Godzilla, directed by Gareth Edwards. And this new Kong Skull Island movie, it's the second, uh, entry. But it's the first movie, I think, where they're actually like really committing. To this this whole thing i mean there are more references to a grander cinematic universe but at the same time i don't remember watching it and being like man this feels part of a franchise not a- it, it is like a standalone movie you can go and actually right.
0: enjoy it so if you if you were to go and just watch it up until the credits start and leave you wouldn't really think much of it as far as its place in the franchise
1: exactly uh, the synopsis is, on IMDb, a team of scientists explore an uncharted island in the Pacific – guess which one that is – venturing mm. into the domain of the mighty Kong and must fight to escape a primal Eden. And that's definitely pretty faithful uh, to what this movie is. You have a big team, a diverse team of like geologists, scientists, soldiers, a photographer – and a tracker, and they're all sort of uh sort of just jumping into this island. They they don't know what they they don't know what they're expecting, and there's just sort of this like tension of like what are we going to find? And of course Kong is one of the first things. And this movie, I, I'll say this, I have I definitely have a lot of problems with Kong Skull Island, but this movie knows how to do really good action battle scenes with a big CGI monster because. First of all, you don't unlike Godzilla, you don't have to wait like two hours to get to the good stuff. I mean this movie, within about twenty minutes, you're watching Kong fight helicopters and it's awesome. It it's just it's just awesome. It's just really good. Like I I don't wanna like over criticize this movie but and I don't want to overhype it, but that is when the movie is at its best for me.
0: Well, just before I say anything else, are you a fan of the Godzilla from 2014? Are you not a fan? I was bored to tears,
1: but really? I really loved the Godzilla like stuff toward the very end. I thought it was really hmm. cool. I think Godzilla, like the new design for Godzilla was really interesting. I just thought it was completely wrong to like introduce us to two great characters and then get rid of them and then make us have to follow Aaron Taylor Johnson. I don't have anything against Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's a great actor, but... Boy, howdy! When that when you get to like the midpoint of that movie, it just gets really tough to keep going because of how the movie treats Brian Cranston and Ken Watanabe at that. So, wasn't a huge fan. This movie is absolutely better. Not it didn't mm-hmm. have to do much to be better, but it definitely is a great improvement.
0: See, I was never bored with Godzilla twenty fourteen. I was entertained all the way through, and I thought it was really i effective how they kind of held their cards the whole time until that big reveal because to me it was what i wanted pacific rim to be at the time whereas Uh, pacific rim was that movie where the first 20 minutes is awesome you know it's just like the first they're just you know giving you everything you want but then you get these boring characters that you don't care about and then they just do the same things over and over and over and over again
1: Pacific and I Rim just,
0: is twice the movie that Godzilla and Kong Skull Island is. Oh, uh, I bet you're Rim loving this sound. It's
1: far better. It's more creative, it's more interesting, the battles are better. I'm just putting hmm. that out there right now.
0: Uh, no, no. I considered Pacific Rim a disappointment whereas Godzilla I just Hey, this is what you want. You we're disagreeing.
1: <laughs> you can't <laughs> like see, for- it, but I'm shaking
0: my head. Just for, like, for five episodes, you're like, I, why aren't we disagreeing more? And now we're disagreeing.
1: Ah, feels good. I need
0: it. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, no, I thought Godzilla was really effective, how it, it just kept itself cool. I will not defend uh, Aaron Taro Johnson or Elizabeth uh, Olsen as far as our characters go, because they were kind of flat. But I get what they were trying to do for the film. They're just basically our placeholders. The guys get us from one place to the other because the world it bounces around a lot and we kind of need some some semblance of normalcy. And I, don't, I, I get what I appreciate what they were there for, but I agree that they could have been stronger characters, especially compared to Brian Cranston, who was way more interesting and developed than playing Jane, uh, Aaron Taron Johnson.
1: Okay, but as for Kong Skull Island, I, right, think, yeah. I think we'll definitely have plenty of time to talk about uh, the, just like the Godzilla stuff and how that's going to mix. And there'll, there'll be some yelling about Pacific Rim, sure, but... Okay. As for Kong Skull Island. Uh, so this movie has a, a big cast. Tom Hiddleston plays the tracker. John Goodman is in this. Samuel L. Jackson is sort of the. He's basically you know the Moby Dick, the Captain Ahab, basically. Yeah. Uh, Great cast. Yeah. Uh, I forget the actor who, who did the the mocap for Kong himself. Terry something. I, I'm,
0: yeah. At first, IMDb said it was what's his name from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Toby Kebble it said it was him at first but that's not right
1: I, I didn't think that was right either the because to- I heard about Toby Kebble being like working on this with uh, Andy Serkis but I don't think that's actually the case I think it was someone named Terry something but anyway right uh, yeah Brie Larson plays the photographer and uh, Corey Hawkins is in this uh, he actually uh, he's reunited with uh, the character who the actor who played Eze, Jason Mitchell in uh, straight out of Compton and uh there's also uh, the car- the knives Chow from Scott Pilgrim versus the World. She's in this uh,
0: team. Teen- I- I oh yeah, that's her right. Name. Yeah, so she, she was, was nice.
1: Yeah, so yeah, just people you recognize at every turn. Like, there's that one one of the soldiers is actually uh, the guy from. Oh my gosh, this is just going to be a bunch of like. And he was in this, and he was in this. Uh, <laughs> do you remember if you-, you ever watched the show Silicon Valley on HBO? Yeah, I have the the guy who works at Bevmo first season he uh he has like the app for like finding your car in a parking lot okay and he he's in this movie and he's in like a bunch of other roles and like you've seen him around richard jenkins is in this for like two seconds which was
0: oh yeah i lit. forgot about that
1: yeah so definitely a big cast it's an ensemble movie well overall though what were your impressions of kong skull island starting with how do you think it did with its characters how do you think it did with kong and uh did you walk away really liking this movie
0: uh Well, as far as the characters go, I was a little disappointed just because I think they put a little too much on their own monkey plate just because we have this big ensemble, great ensemble. Mm-hmm. But we have all these people there. some of them are just there to get slaughtered. Some of them are kind of there to keep uh, giving us exposition and some of us are just there to, I guess, look pretty. But uh, it just like I thought the characters themselves were kind of lacking because Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson were kind of flat and. uh lacked any real semblance of uh, depth in the same way that Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron Tara Johnson did in Godzilla. And I thought that um, it would have probably been better if they just got rid of Toby Kebbell's character and just replaced his all of his stuff with Brie Larson or Tom Hiddleston just to kind of develop one or two of those people more, especially by the end, which we'll kind of get into in a moment. But overall, the movie, I had a lot of fun with this thing. It was big. It was loud. It was brash. And I thought even though it had all these kind of weird different genres and elements and clashing and stuff all together, it was pretty fluid. I mean, they kept itself going in ways that I would think otherwise it would just kind of fall apart. But I don't know. I'd give credit to Jordan uh, Voight Roberts. Am I pronouncing that right?
1: Yeah, Jordan Voight Roberts.
0: Yeah, he really. Even though this is his second movie, and his first one was just like in Sundance indie movie.
1: Yeah, I've never even seen it. it
0: was the like Kings the of Summer. Kings it's a really good Summer. movie. It's a really good movie. I like it a lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, still, that's a big undertaking. Go from like what I imagine is like maybe one or two million dollar film to like hundred and fifty million, or how much this movie costs. It, he does it well, though. He transitions into this. He knows what he wants. He makes it colorful. This movie really pops, thanks to Larry Fong, who um shot batman v superman as well and yeah like it it has a lot of elements for other movies like it kind of takes from uh jurassic park a lot and apocalypse now like you said but i never really takes felt a line of dialogue right from,
1: and the character who utters it from jurassic park right
0: But even though this is heavily wish fulfillment for the director it never felt bothered by the references or the kind of nods and stuff it just felt like a know. kid it felt like a kid from the 30s kind of getting this big expensive playground to kind of just do the big monster movie he wanted to. Yeah. And it, I had a lot of fun.
1: You can you can tell he's a big nerd. You can tell that mm-hmm. he really loves like the Kong movies. I mean, just the way that like Kong looks, the way that Kong interacts with the, like his environment, the, the fact that he's like upright and you're just sort of tell huge. That, like, yeah, he, he really put a spin on it that was like both faithful to the Kong stuff that we've, we've liked over the years and also the stuff about Kong that maybe like the idea of like mashing up Vietnam, I think, was really interesting. Maybe they did a little bit too much to remind us every ten seconds that it was nineteen seventy three. You know, but
0: um, uh, I've seen worse.
1: Yeah, I, I I wouldn't say it was like terrible or like terribly distracting, but it did sort of like wear a little thin after a while. Uh, sure, I think, I think they were just one Nixon bottlehead too far, and <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, I, I have the same complaint about the characters. I, I really don't know what was going on there with Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson's characters. I, I really didn't, I didn't get them. I didn't understand like what they wanted, what, I, I didn't really have like a hook to like be invested in them at all. And I feel like they were just sort of there to be audience surrogates for the John C. Riley character, who I thought was way more fun and engaging. Uh, oh, for so sure. He, he plays the uh, World War II veteran. Who he landed on this island. He's been there for 28 years, and you sort of get to know like the ins and outs of the island through his perspective, which was, I thought, really smart because that was the thing that I didn't love about King Kong. The 2005 version was just, it was just sort of like trial, 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 trial. It was very like, Okay, here's something they have to get out of. Here's something they have to get out of. One thing that I really liked about Kong School Island was there was an energy to it. You know, it mm-hmm. had it had balance to like, okay, these characters are going to go here. There's going to be this set piece. Oh, here's this cool monster. The ideas were really solid, and I think that a lot of that has to do with uh Dan Gilroy who did the screenplay. Um the story idea was by someone else, but I think I think Gilroy and uh, there were a couple other writers, I think Derek Connolly gets like a last
0: minute like he he did This a is the this is the Gilroy that did Nightcrawler, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's okay.
1: Nightcrawler, and uh, he, he's done, like, a lot of those, like, kind of, like, darker movies, like the neo-thrillers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and you sort of get that out of Kong School Island in the sense of, like, I, things shift and move around quite a bit. I think that one thing I didn't love about Kong Skull Island was the editing was a little weird, like, sometimes it would just cut to a scene. It didn't really make sense for why we were going from this scene to this scene. And I thought that was it, weird.
0: And it definitely felt it. very edited in the sense that yeah. I think there was probably about 20 minutes of footage at least that's on the cutting room floor. Absolutely. Uh, and, and the final yeah.
1: product is weird because there, there are just pure scenes like two or three in a row. That's like, they feel like short films into themselves, like really unrelated to each other. Like, well, you just have like, these long sweeping shots that don't establish anything you have like this quiet moment where one character is doing something in the lake and then it's followed up by something completely unrelated there's no like connective tissue right and i thought that they were really Hmm. beautiful scenes and i think that like i I felt like i was watching a bunch of short films i'm talking about like really the first and second act i'd say like the the second part of the first act and the first part of the second act that chunk of the movie felt like a lot of like short film scenes put together, not necessarily like one cohesive story. I think once Riley shows so, up, though, things get a lot better.
0: So, like, are you referring to like John C. Riley's introduction at the beginning, as opposed to like the narrative that follows no, after that?
1: No, I think that stuff was handled pretty well. I think that like the beginning parts, I think were good because you get okay. to know like the characters. I think, you
0: know, yeah, I thought they were great.
1: Yeah, it's all pretty silly, but none of it was like pretentious. So I wasn't like. I was into it, right? Like you mentioned it yourself. This is, this is a popcorn movie. I don't like to use that term too much, but.
0: But it fits here. It
1: actually fits here for once. Like usually people say that when they want to like justify like a dumb movie. Sure. And like this movie does have like dumb movie logic, but at least its dumb movie logic is consistent, right? Like it doesn't act really smart in one scene and then try to like, you know, Pretend like this, it doesn't try to pretend that this is like some sort of like really smart dramatic film. It's not like Godzilla, basically. That said, the tones I think do kind of go back and forth. Like sometimes it's trying to be funny, and sometimes this movie like gets really serious, and that stuff's kind of bothered me a bit.
0: See, I honestly usually that stuff does kind of bother me, but I never felt it was like off putting or strange here because this movie had this kind of weird, like kinetic, high wire energy the whole time that when it kind of bounced between comedy and like it never got too serious to the point where like like you definitely felt for kong and stuff and they had some stuff to say that's pretty similar to the 1933 version but i never thought it got too serious i never thought it got like overly comedic to the point where it like felt like a sitcom almost like i thought it had a nice balance throughout and so i never was really bothered by the bouncing back and forth like you were
1: i was bothered it didn't ruin the movie i think that When it was like about to like really wear me out and when I started to like drone off a little bit and I'll be honest, toward the third act, I was really I was I I stopped paying attention at times because I I think the energy sort of waned off a bit. But Hmm. whenever whenever John C. Riley was on screen, whenever Samuel L. Jackson was on screen, I was in. Because I don't know. I feel like they had a better I don't know. They, I feel like their roles were a bit more entertaining for like this type of movie. Whereas like Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson, like they have great presence as like yeah. actors. Like Brie Larson knows how to react to a green screen. Like mm-hmm. she she's really good at that. I think Hiddleston is okay. He's just kind
0: of like the handsome hunk.
1: Yeah, you know. It, I don't. It just it's it was a little weird getting used to that. Seeing Loki be the yeah the the, the Han Solo, but.
0: I'm glad they didn't really push their romance or anything because that would have felt really forced. And I think the movie was smart enough not to really make that a big thing or a thing at all. Really. You can get away
1: with it these days. Sure. You know, it, right. it can just sort of be two characters who right? you can sort of tell there's some sort of like base attraction there, but there's more important stuff at hand.
0: So exactly. Um, like the big, big ass ape that's killing all yeah, these people. <laughs>
1: that, that was another thing that was like really bugging me. It was like, okay, first of all, let's just address this. This movie was like textbook let's do what Marvel's doing. Right? Uh kind of. the same sort of like the quips, the uh the same sort of like we're getting the cinematography is going to be way more colorful. I know it was the BBS guy, but you know, you can sort of tell it has that same sort of energy of a Marvel movie, right? And it even comes down uh, to how I think disposable the villains are, right? Because you think about the villains in this movie, they weren't quite like the skull crushers and stuff. It was kind of not amazing.
0: I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, before the end credit thing, I never really thought of Marvel. I just thought of like a big blockbuster from like the seventies, almost just as yeah. Larger in life. Like we love to have these, uh, big, huge, ugly monsters just smashing each other. And we're going to show them in their full glory and stuff. So I didn't really think of Marvel that much, but I can see what you mean. Like the quips and the little like Marvel.
1: I thought of Marvel every time a character was like, are we not going to talk about what just happened?
0: Hmm. You know, it you was more I mean, like Goonies to me. That to happened so honest. many times. I, didn't,
1: I mean, the character, that guy did kind of look like he was straight out of Goonies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forget that actor's name, but no, i like that whole sort of like, let's not take ourselves too seriously. Like that whole thing, that screened Marvel to me, but
0: hmm. see, to me, that was just like the screenwriter or the director here being just like, hey, that's what, how I'd react if I was in this situation. I didn't think of it as like Marvel quip time. I don't know.
1: I did. I did. But okay, let's get into our final thoughts. Sure. Uh, that, I think we did a pretty good job not spoiling this movie. And and I think we both recommend seeing it in the theater for sure. I think that oh, watching this anywhere else would be kind of pointless. But
0: yeah. I don't know well, what effort. go to what, for,
1: it, what, are your, what are your final thoughts?
0: Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I wouldn't say this is one of the best movies I've seen this year because we've had a pretty Already great year for film, but I'd be lying if I said I had more fun than I did at certain points in this film, just because it just was this big, beautifully made uh, blockbuster that was confident, it was skillfully handled, and it just completed everything that I wanted to be, even though the narrative and the characters weren't as strong as they should have been or could have been. I gave it like a good solid... I was between a B plus and a B, but I'll give it a hearty B.
1: Hmm. Uh, it's funny because I, I think we're we're grading this about the same, but I'm sort of like I'm not a hearty bee. I'm sort of like a heartless bee, a bee oh, okay. for effort. I I think that I, I hmm. agree with what you're saying. It's just funny how like my experience is just sort of swayed differently from like the same sort of observations. I think that I I don't mind when a movie kind of like trades narrative and character for an aesthetic that's different and unique. I just didn't think that Kong School Island brought anything all that new. It just sort of like did things pretty competently. There's nothing really surprising about it. I, I, I would never watch. I, I'll never watch it again. Basically. I have no interest in seeing it again. I have no interest in seeing these characters again, to be totally honest, uh, which was kind of how I came out of Godzilla too. And I didn't really care about a lot of the characters and except just for John C. Riley, uh, you know, I, you've, you covered a lot of it. I think that, I think that this movie, like I said, is something that was fun to see on the big screen because the monster battles are really fun. They're really cool. I think that they did a really good job, of, like making them entertaining. I usually get really annoyed when it's just a bunch of CGI stuff, like, you know, mushed all together, but it, it's pretty good. If you, if actually, if you see it, you know, especially if you see it in 3D, IMAX, I think this is one of those movies that actually earns that. And so I would definitely check it out in that format if you can. Uh, I also give it a B. And uh, we, we agree, but we also disagree quite a lot. So that's weird.
0: I will say, just a quick note, if you're a parent or, like, uh, someone who's going to take a small child, maybe think twice just because this movie is really violent. It is. Like, oh, yeah. And, like, maybe one of the most violent PG-13 movies I've seen in a while.
1: Yeah, there, there definitely was, like, no shortage of, like, just limbs, you know, right. flying around. Like,
0: uh, yeah. I don't want to give a, like, death spoilers away but i'll just say if you're like eight year old is like yeah i want to see kong maybe wait a couple years yeah because he'll probably freak out see
1: it's not like jurassic world jurassic world is like play school compared to this um i mean then I mean, we got violent at times but i never was it, it wasn't quite as frightening or as like really heavy on the violence oh yeah as i, think
0: I mean the violence is effective i mean it's well done i just think that if you're like uh, like just because it's pg-13 don't think like oh yeah, I would agree. It's sometimes even more violent than Logan, I think. Oh, gosh. I don't know if I would get that far.
1: <laughs> that, I mean, it's just weird stuff that happened. Lower.
0: It's pretty graphic. Some of it. I don't know. All right. <laughs>
1: All uh, right. Well, that was our Kong Skull Island review. Stick around, because we're also going to be talking about Samurai Jacks Season 5. Feud. The uh, I forget the subtitle of that one. but
0: Betty and Joan, I think. Betty
1: and Joan. Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, Mike Birbiglia's new comedy special, Thank God for Jokes, is coming up later. Making History. Where we talked about Raging Bull for a couple of minutes. And the first couple episodes of Big Little Lies. But before we get started with all that stuff... Uh, we're going to do our second email and our last one for the show. This one comes from Alex from the Internet Boston. He, put, he said it, not us. Uh, mm-hmm. He said, hey, everybody, or hey, y'all. This is Alex from the Internet Boston. I wanted to know what you guys thought about one of the moments of Logan's End. So he he mentioned something about the end of that movie that I can't really say because I'm guessing some of you guys listening, you don't want to be spoiled on Logan. You may not have seen it already. But he's basically saying that something happens for the end of the movie. He said that this part affected me tremendously. Uh, to me, it was without a doubt the most emotional part of the movie because earlier we had Logan saying something that I won't say. All that changes. I really loved it. What do you guys think? And... Uh, well, you've read this, and, and uh, I'm not going to read it aloud. So I don't know if you can speak on this, but I guess like the ending in general, like what did you think of Logan? Like, did it like move you? Did it like bring you to tears at all?
0: Uh, it didn't bring me to tears, but that's because I usually don't cry in movies. Usually, that's just because I'm a heartless bastard, not just because uh, it's not effective. Uh, but I mean, it was a good. I I thought the ending was very good. It was very touching. I liked how it tied up their relationship because usually these kind of things don't know how to end. In this movie, the ending was probably the strongest part of it.
1: Yeah. Logan is one of those movies I do want to see at least one more time. Mm-hmm.
2: In Same
0: here.
1: Because uh, he mentioned something in this that has to do with Xavier. And I didn't get something that happened in this movie because of my hearing problem and uh, that has to do with like, Xavier and like stuff that happens before the movie starts. And it just completely went over my head. And it totally changes the movie for me in a way that like kind of hit me like a ton of a ton of bricks. This is like right after, I think we recorded this episode too. I wish we would have been able to talk about it when we were doing spoilers, but uh, yeah. Wow. Um, I definitely was moved by stuff that was happening outside of this movie. The fact that Hugh Jackman isn't going to be doing this character anymore. Probably the fact that this sort of like represented the end of like one of the weirdest movie franchise of all time. And
0: definitely one of the most inconsistent.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely was inconsistent, but you know, I, I loved, I did love like that specific part that uh, Alex references here.
0: Right. No, I'm talking about the franchise, not the film yeah, being yeah, yeah, inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
1: I, agree. um, I I did find it moving. I, I guess there were just other things about it that I don't think were quite as uh, great. And uh, you know, I think that for the most part, this one, such an easy recommend. I think that anybody who like it's such an obvious movie to watch if you have any sort of affection whatsoever for the X Men.
0: Yeah, and even if you don't like superhero movies that much, and you just like an old fashioned bloody western, this is probably going to be your your thing.
1: Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, he also he also decided to say, "Hey, it ain't ogre till it's ogre."
0: Nice. So this is already the best email we've gotten so far.
1: <laughs> he also wanted to know if we're still watching Legion, and uh, I gotta say, I, I have not been because T-
0: I've been behind. Yeah, TBH, I haven't even started yet. Ah, Jeez.
1: Yeah, I have. I have the episodes ready to go on on the FX app and everything, but. <laughs> Yeah, they're, I'm dragging my feet. I like to binge things a little bit more. Like if yeah. I watch the first couple episodes to review something, I usually won't revisit until it's all available at once. But uh, Legion is a show that I'm going to be checking out.
0: Oh, time. yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to watch it. The only reason I haven't is just because I'm behind on a lot of other shows, and I just told myself I'm not going to start another one until I catch up on those ones. So I probably by the time it wraps up, I'll be all caught up on it.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about a show – that has been sort of you know routinely changing my life since it came out in two thousand one. Samurai Jack by Genndy Tartakovsky, one of my favorite persons in the world. Uh, I just you know, Dexter's Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls, Samurai Jack, the Hotel Transylvania, <laughs> yeah. Which are, those those movies aren't bad.
0: Uh, okay, we'll disagree on that one.
1: <laughs> the first one's pretty. It's pretty uh. decent. I love what he does with animation. I love Samurai Jack. I mean, growing up, this show was one of my favorite shows of all time. I watched it constantly, and it ends without ending, and we we don't find out. uh, You know, for those who don't know, it's about a a samurai in uh, I forget what era it's supposed to be, but basically, it's like the ancient past. And this evil comes uh, to take over the world. And Samurai, you don't know his, na- his real name, he has a special sword that can stop Aku, who is this shape-shifting demon of darkness. And he throws a portal. He opens a portal and throws the Samurai through it. So he ends up into the future. So the sh- entire show takes place. In a post, 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 post apocalypse, basically, and it's it's amazing. It's like the the Earth has basically like what would the Earth be like if it was ruled by an an evil demon for like thousands of years? And it's awesome. And so he becomes Samurai Jack, and so he has to like adapt to this new world. He uses technology and guns, and of course his trademark sword to fight lots of villains and all of this stuff. And we don't know what happens because he's trying to get back to the past so he can defeat Aku uh, and prevent all of this stuff from happening. And unfortunately, or fortunately, we finally have the conclusion we've been waiting for with Samurai Jack season five.
2: Yeah, I mean, the story of Jack is really cool. Um, the, The initial, like John kind of alluded to, he starts by fighting Aku when Aku first comes around. He is able to defeat Aku and he's about to. And before he can uh, kind of deliver the final blow. That's when Akku sends him to the future. That, you're just like basically doing the opening credits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's cool <laughs> because like the the story behind it's really good because Akku sends him to the future and hopes that by the time he meets Jack again, he's powerful enough to defeat. Him. Right. Right. Um, and that's kind of left ambiguous, but um, it's cool. And Jack doesn't even go by Jack until he gets to the future, and people exactly. start calling him that as kind of like a and we he's don't like know your name, like what up, Jack? And that's the, just kind of the first what he episode is
1: amazing name. too because like you watch him, he basically like travels the world. As a young boy to be trained in order to defeat Aku. So he learns like all of these weapon skills and navigation skills, and it's this beautiful montage yeah. that lasts for like 15 minutes His where ancient, you watch him grow up. Yeah. And it's like this ancient order. It's like the white lotus from Avatar, which totally. is funny well, because no, Mako voiced Aku before yeah. sadly he tra- he passed away. And
2: uh the woman who voices Azula is in the new series Azul. As as, yeah. yeah, I can't remember her name. If you it,
1: can't tell, uh, Maverick and I are huge fans of Red Jack. So we watched the first two episodes. Uh, yesterday, So by the time you guys are all listening to this, the, uh, the first episode will be out. The second one will be
2: coming out March 18th. So we'll be able to sort of speak to the first two episodes. Yeah. Um, so- I'll, I'll say that we watched the first two and um, the first one was... I was a little bit nervous for what it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's been almost a decade to come back and do one season, which is which is kind of cool. And this is it. So yeah. like season 5 is the last season, they are the not going to do anything else, they're going to finish it. But I thought the first episode back, you know, the kind of the homecoming was really really well done. Yep. Like John kind of said, I I had a lot of um, I'm a huge Avatar the Last Airbender fan. I'm absolutely insane for it. And uh it felt similar, but it also kept this, you know, old school 2000s cartoon network feel with the animation the the you know sword sound effects the the whooshing like all these cool little things that you remember from your childhood of cartoon network are totally still there it's like the show never stopped
1: but it looks so good yeah like it's beautiful the animation has been definitely has been updated in the last 13 years and uh, but will you've never seen samurai jack how
2: in the world has this happened
0: i didn't have cable growing up as a kid (sighs) Gosh.
2: Well, there's nothing snarky we can say about that, is yeah. there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. You
1: did not have cable. However, it's been on Hulu for like a couple of years. Uh, but I don't have a Hulu account. Jeez, oh, what are we supposed to do? That, that's not our problem to solve. Right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, please do do what you need to do with Samurai Jacks because it is a legendary series. And it, I kind of was bummed out watching these first two episodes because this show does not have a successor and I don't think it will have one. And it... Yeah. I love everything about this show. The aesthetic of it, the way it looks, the weapons, the battles, like how there's like very little dialogue, how artful it is, but also how western it is. And mm-hmm. it's just so well rounded. It's so different and unique. Yeah. And I'm gonna be enjoying every episode for sure. The first two episodes fantastic. I mean the first episode's really good. The second episode completely outdoes it and what you already get the sense of in this new season is they don't have a lot of time to spare, right? So like one one criticism you could probably lob at the original Samurai Jack was that there were a lot of detours and there was a lot of like, well, much this isn't urgency. really that important. You don't yeah. really feel like Jack is in any immediate danger. But as this show opens up, Jack is in dire straits. Basically, he doesn't have a sword anymore. And it's been 50 years. Time has lost its effect on him. He can't age. He's given up hope. All the portals are gone. I and mean, you're learning all of this within the first like five minutes. And all he sort of has uh, is like the spoils of like the enemies he defeats one after the other. And so once you get to the second episode, it's building up toward a threat like he's never faced. And I just remember watching it. It was around toward like the final couple of scenes where you realize Oh my word, like they are really going for it with this. Like, this is writing that you just don't usually get. I mean, it's on Adult Swim, but you usually don't get stuff that's this thematic mm-hmm. in a TV show. It's, it kind of fits. They were talking about it on Cinema, on Cinema Holics, because watching the first and second episode
2: together felt like watching a movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. There was so much, uh, depth to it, especially for coming back from so long. You expect it to be like, okay, they have to kind of sum the stuff up and get it out quick. But I felt like they did a fantastic job of letting us know what happened with Jack. and <laughs> Yeah. Kind of hinting towards us, like, hey, like, Jack's not this, uh, I think in the original series, Jack was always kind of an immortal figure. Like, he just, he messed stuff up. And he had his moments where he got knocked down. And I think that's, that's important yeah. too. He even referenced but that In, this, in show. this show, like, or in, in this series so far, that this season, you can kind of see the, he's outside of time. He has an age, but he's still very mortal. Like, he's still, the, he bleeds challenges. yeah he bleeds like he's never bled before so this is on adult swim the rating is
1: higher so i mean you don't know this well but uh basically like you know he fought machines all the time he never you know and he would get hurt but it wasn't a, it wasn't a mature rating basically that has changed completely uh he bleeds and there you know the the fights are way more visceral they're way there's way more graphic content here not in a way that feels like They're just doing it for the sake of it. Like, oh, we have this rating now. Uh, They actually do it in a pretty uh, meaningful way. So that's Samurai Jack Season 5. Really saying anything else would spoil it. I I think that the trailers do a good job of not really letting you in on what's going to happen. I didn't feel like, oh, I've seen this in the trailer. Absolutely. So 100% recommend if you're a fan of Samurai
2: Jack. If you never watched Samurai Jack, it might be kind of weird to
1: jump into this one. Okay. It might be be weird. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean – There is, there's some backstory to it, but I mean, like, going, it's, I mean, it's been almost, you know, 10 years since it came out. I went into it not remembering a lot of the old Samurai Jack, and it was still just as enjoyable. Comes right back. I don't think you need to have the previous Samurai Jack stuff to, like, enjoy it. It's important, but I don't think you need it to be able to start it and enjoy it.
1: I think I think that I've seen lists out there that are like, "Hey, if you've never watched Samurai Jack, here are like ten or fifteen episodes. These are all you need to watch." Yeah, because there are a lot of detours. Or all they're great episodes, but you don't have to watch every single episode of this show to you know to be as invested.
2: Yeah, well, I don't
1: think I've seen every single
2: episode. I haven't. And and like you said earlier, there's not a lot of dialogue. There's not. There's a lot of kind of movement fluidity in the story. And I mean, when I think about Samurai Jack growing up, I don't remember dialogue. I remember. The scenes, the animation, exactly. the fight scenes. So um, it's definitely something you could jump in right now. It might be good to watch those ten to fifteen episodes. I'd watch ahead it at of least time. the
1: first episode. Yeah, you know, I think that that one's really important because you, you just need to have some sort of context. But yeah, if we'll if you can get your hands on the first episode, maybe a couple others that are recommended. Please check this out. You are missing on something truly special. It's,
2: it's really going to help you. Like, I think you will be a better person if you watch these. I wasn't going to say it out loud. Yeah. But, you know, not that you're not a good person now, but you can just elevate. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah.
0: Don't cl- <laughs> hey, you made me laugh. Don't close yes. your fist.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, so that's Samurai Jack season five. Will, you've been watching a show called, uh, is it a show or movie to show, right?
0: Uh, which Feud? one are you referring to? Feud? That's a show.
1: That's a show. I've seen I've seen the trailers for it, you know, and Melissa Maria Quadruple Menunez, whatever her name is, is like showing it to us. But yeah, Feud with Betty Davis, Joan Crawford, right? And
0: Joe Crawford, yeah. And it's about the making of Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which is a pretty famous movie from back in the day. But if you... A weird movie. I, yeah, I've actually only seen parts of it. I've never seen it in full, but I'm going to watch it. Uh, you should. At least some... Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be pretty amazing because... The thing is that they have this uh, by offstage, they have this very kind of biting uh, venom venomous, like uh heated relationship. And that's, we're all getting to see the beginning of that with this pilot, which is directed by Ryan Murphy. And this is his like first big show since uh the people first OJ Simpson last year, which by all accounts you should check off. If you haven't already. It's a really good timely show, even though it takes place in the nineties. Uh, but, Yeah, so this thing, it's a little more pulpy and a little more uh, free-spirited than the People vs. O.J. Simpson because it's not quite as urgent or intense. This one's a little more uh, lighthearted and it's a little more uh, goofy at times, but it's, uh, it's not great, but it's fun. I had a lot of fun watching the pilot because you're just basically kind of seeing the rivalry that's been bubbling over the years kind of coming into formation and... You know that by episode eight or so, which I think it's only eight episodes this season, you know by that it's going to be just red hot intense. And uh, as always, Jessica Lang's is great; she's doing a great job as Joan Crawford. And Susan Sarandon's pretty good as uh, Betty Davis, not great yet. I don't know; it just doesn't the performance doesn't quite ring true to me so far. But we've got a lot of great people in this. We got Alfred Molina, who's stupendous. Um, let's see. Stanley Tushi, I think he said. Uh oh, Catherine yeah, Zeta-Jones, yeah. yeah. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, who else? Katie, uh, Kate, uh, uh, Kathy Bates. Uh, Ooh, a lot of people. You? Okay. But yeah, it's uh, it's not quite. Yeah, again, it's not quite as tight as People for O.J. Simpson, and it's uh, it just doesn't have that quite that uh need to like see what happens next because you. know. it's just not the same urgency at this point but i'm having a lot of fun watching it
1: i'm really debating whether or not i want to check it out or i'm like wondering if there's like a good documentary about this or something
0: sure i mean what's your tolerance on ryan murphy in general
1: that's that's sort of the thing right you know i just started oj simpson versus uh the people the people
0: versus ojc yeah
1: the people versus oj simpson um you just watched
2: i I started it it actually today um, and I watched, I'm on episode six. So okay. don't judge my binging.
1: I was a big fan of Glee the first season and a half. I really liked that show. And then I think it just completely went off the rails. And then I, I never really got into American horror stories. So mm-hmm. I, I like him fine. He did a really good interview with, uh, Todd Vanderwolf on, uh, the new Vox podcast. Uh, I think you're interesting. Definitely worth checking out if you're a Ryan Murphy fan and, uh, they talk about like creativity and like themes in his shows and stuff. But yeah, uh, I'll wait until some time passes and we'll see if it's okay. worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of on the same page as you with Ryan Murphy because I never watched Glee. I never watched American Horror Story. Uh, okay. I never watched Nip Tuck, but I did watch uh, the people are right. so Simpson and I've watched his movies. So I have a kind of, I have an idea. I know what his style is like. I've and this one, Nip-tuck. it's
1: that was, that was a weird one. That was a weird Was
0: show. it like weird? in like the sense that it's like, what like graphic or just over dramatic and okay
1: yeah it's like i only watched like the first few episodes and i just remember like kate mara is in that and oh really yeah yeah (laughs) um it wasn't bad okay
0: yeah so and the best thing about this is that it's on this new fx where they can pretty much get away with way more than they could even like 10 years ago or five years ago so like there's like even a point where one character says a c word uncensored on tv which is Something that kind of threw me back because you don't usually hear the c word, yeah. on bright or cable television. I,
1: I remember seeing uh, a tweet. Was it from you or maybe it was from somebody else say, uh, mentioning that? Yeah, uh,
0: probably me because I mentioned it on Facebook and probably Twitter. So, right. yeah, it's uh, so far. It's too early to say anything definitive, but I'm having fun with the pilot, and I'm looking forward to seeing episode two. Awesome.
1: All right. Well, uh, I have something that I want to talk about because uh, one of my favorite comedians of all time is Mike Birbiglia. Will, have you ever listened to any of his stand up before?
0: Yep. I love him. It, he's fantastic. I met him.
1: He even says, oh, did you really?
0: In New York? Yeah, I did. That's awesome.
1: I, I've seen him live. haven't met him. I'd love to do that. Uh he he really is one of my favorite comedians and he's one of my you know not, okay maybe not one of my favorite filmmakers but he's definitely like a great
0: filmmaker in my view. Uh, he's one of our best storytellers right now I think. He's a great storyteller honestly. for sure. Yeah. He's only
1: done like what two movies but they're both great.
0: Well I mean his stand up like what you're going to talk about his one man shows are equally as good.
1: Yeah, I would say that yeah he he's a different sort of comedian right so if you if you've never heard of Mike Birbiglia, he's sort of this guy who he's done two movies, Sleepwalk with Me, and uh, the one that came out last year, Don't think Don't twice. Think Twice. Yeah, uh, both great movies, definitely worth checking out. And basically, he he does like he tells like you know how like comedians do like a bunch of like different stories, with jokes in them. He does like one long story, and then he just sprinkles them with jokes along the way. So like, but there's always like a connective tissue to everything, and like there's a spine basically to his. Mm-hmm his jokes and it's awesome because like there i've watched specials of his where like it ends with applause that comes from like you know like a bit of like sadness and also Mm -hmm. like emotion like inspiration i should say not just like pure humor like he tackles things besides humor in his in his comedy which is what makes it so interesting
0: he's very vulnerable and he's very affable and kind of open-hearted about what he's going through in a way that doesn't feel pretentious or uh Oh, self-righteous he just kind of like a dude just telling you what's going on in his life and how he's gotten better because of it
1: well he has a new special called thank god for jokes and it's on netflix i checked it out last night and it is hilarious like i belly laughs through and through Th- mm-hmm. this is some of his strongest stuff i've seen of his and probably since the Sleep sleepwalk with me special that came out i think like seven years ago or more awesome awesome special but uh, this new one is that same sort of thing where he he's just talking about something as simple as like what it's like telling jokes and sort of like telling stories about how people treat him as a comedian, how his life sort of like revolves around thinking all the time about what are the what jokes am I going to tell? And like that doesn't sound super. It sounds about as interesting, right, as like a, a movie about making movies.
0: But it sounds like a Seinfeld episode almost.
1: <laughs> but it's great because it, it is like you mentioned it. it is that vulnerable side of like what it's like being a comedian and it's not all fun and games and <laughs> you the th- the trick to him is that i think some comedians get a little like self-deprecating and they're they sort of like wear their misery on mm-hmm. their sleeves so that's more humorous right mike rebidly gets out there and he's like my favorite thing about tonight is that uh or like he basically says like when you're when people asked you what you were doing tonight, they said, Who? <laughs> and he's like, I know I'm a niche. And that's fine. And I just love that. I think that he has such a an acute sense of awareness. So that uh self awareness. So all of his jokes, like you said, come from that place of like he's just a guy telling really good jokes and they all sort of have like a purpose to them. So yeah. really good i'm already like quoting some of his best some of the best stuff from that special he interviews somebody in the audience it lasts about like 10 minutes and it's amazing it- it's so good i obviously can't spoil it but uh please check it out it's it's on netflix it's available now 100 worth your time if you're a fan of really good stand-up comedy and if you're a fan of Berbiglia, it's a no-brainer for sure but i'm are- excited to see it yeah uh it's great uh will you also have been watching Eleven Twenty Three Sixty Three. You're catching up on it on Hulu
0: well, and making yeah. history. Yeah, I've been watching two different uh, time travel shows. And for the record, the reason I've been watching Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three is because I have it on DVD. So, because I mentioned I don't have Hulu, right? Yeah, so just wanted to clear that one up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three came out last year. It's with James Franco. It's based on the Stephen king book of the same name which is about a guy who through the help of this old diner friend of his named way, al we
1: all know how i feel about stephen king
0: well we never talked about stephen king on this podcast
1: oh you're right you're right i, I was just thinking that so i was like oh wait <laughs> that's gonna fall flat sorry
0: but all right uh, like a different podcast.
1: i ranted about stephen king for like 10 minutes and he just sat there and looked at me right. horrified so yeah
0: uh so anyway he, they, there's this 35-year-old writer guy named Jake who is kind of recently divorced. He's an English teacher with no real direction or sense of purpose in his life. He, he catches up with his friend Al, who's this older diner guy. And he sees him one minute and he's just his normal self, just serving food. He comes back two minutes later. He's very old, near death. And it's like, what happened? He's like, I have to tell you something. He opens his closet. He can go back to time to 1960 something a certain date i can't remember the exact date but it's he can go to a certain point and he can basically do anything in that time period it's and if he goes back
1: time travel dynamics is about time with rachel mcadams and donald
0: Gleason. sort of but he can only go that one time in that one place like mm-hmm. about time he could go any time in any place
1: no, and the change whole it. idea like going into a closet and just yeah.
0: right yeah yeah so when you have this power, like what do you do with it? You have to do something monumental, right? And they decide that the one thing they can do is kill JFK, or they kill the Lee Harvey Oswald who killed JFK. Oh, I was about to say, I was like, well, yeah. we don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So mission accomplished. Right. I don't know. Um, I read the book recently, and it's a big, long book, but it I liked it because it's very plot heavy in a good way, in the sense that it feels very precise and you feel like you're going on this journey and you think about the consequences and all the mon- minute details that have to go into doing something this like huge and altering time altering. But the show feels a little more, if not clumsy, a little more, I guess like uh free wielding in a way that I don't think is that interesting as opposed to book. I don't know. It just, they made the character dumber and they make him do a lot of dumber things just to make him feel more relatable, I guess. And it's kind of interesting at first because it's a different direction than the the book. So it doesn't feel like you're seeing the same story twice. But I just don't feel the same way as I do for the characters in the book as I do as I'm watching the show. It just feels kind of, I don't know, just tedious, I guess. And I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence right now. I'm six episodes in. There's eight episodes. I'll probably have a more concise idea of how I feel about it. But right now I'm kind of on the fence about it. Uh, my question for you then Will is if
1: JFK had not been assassinated what do you think would have happened in history
0: Uh, well they have an answer for that in the book and I'm assuming they have one in well, the show Will, it's up to you not a book uh, yeah. well I'm guessing the butterfly effect would be pretty monumental and I don't know I mean Maybe we'd be speaking Chinese right now we might we might be dead because we didn't know what JFK was like as a full term president <laughs> that's one time travel show I was watching the other one is Fox's new comedy, which is called Making History, which is whereas 112263 is a little more serious, a little more uh, concentrated on the facts. This is a very lighthearted show uh, in the same vein as all the other Sunday shows on Fox. And it's Adam Pally as this guy who got a duffel bag that can take him back through time that he got acquired from his late father. And he used that basically just to kind of uh, mess around in the colonial times with this girl he's been seeing who appreciates him because he's a little more modern and a little more uh funny and the, the way her peers aren't and also respects her as a woman whereas the colonial people didn't and he notices that like the time like once he goes back and forth all the time because he does it like on the weekends for fun he notices that the british are kind of becoming a little more uh equated to our times because the you know Re- american revolution didn't come into place so therefore Time is messing up so he has to get in touch with this history teacher that he has kind of a frenemy relationship with and they go back and they kind of have like this sort of Bill and Ted relationship with time and at first I like the pilot like that just aired on Sunday last Sunday was kind of rough because it was like a pilot where it didn't really know exactly it was going for but when we got to episodes because I've seen the first four episodes and I think when it gets to episode four it finally finds a sense of direction and sense of purpose because it's a little more progressive, it's a little more smart, it's a little more self-aware of what it's going for, and I'm kind of digging the show right now.
1: It sounds interesting. It it sounds like a weird combination of Bill and Ted and kind of like Midnight in Paris in a weird way.
0: Yeah, honestly, yeah, it's like, it. yeah, like whereas Eleven Twenty Two Six Three is very concentrated on like, okay, if you go back in time, like, how would this mess everything up? This is not at all concerned about what the butterfly effect would be like. Yeah. It's just like, hey. It's like hey, if you went back in time and you could do whatever you want, what would you do? <laughs> How would you and change th- as a person? Sure. Yeah, and so, I don't know, I'm I'm going to for now say thumbs down for 112263 and thumbs up for making history. But they're I- both kind of worth watching in their own way. I'm I'm sold on making history. Uh, yeah. And the movie sounds good too.
1: Or the show. But, Dang, that
0: was uh, good. <laughs> All right. I so get
1: so i think maybe let's uh we were going to also talk about raging bull and big little lies let's save that for next week sure and uh so we can wrap up here as we wrap up uh like i said packed episode right uh i think we got we covered a lot of information and i think next week is going to be big too because beauty and the beast is coming out along with free fire and belco experiment but i've got to tell you something well Mm -hmm. first of all i'm still excited about belco experiment even though the reviews haven't been so hot on it yet so far
0: james gunn it
1: yeah I, I, i'm still holding out hope and uh I, i'm sort of on the fence about free fire i think it's a unique concept but i don't know it just seems like one of those movies where i'll be like well this should just end at this point <laughs> beauty and the beast honestly i've been on the i've been cautiously optimistic about it i after listening to the soundtrack i could not be any less worried yeah any more worried like i'm just really ready for this movie to not be really good i'm trying i'm trying really hard to look forward to it but Mm. there's just something about like when you're listening to the soundtrack i just got this immediate sense of this isn't cinderella because the beauty and the beast was so perfect as it was i just don't know maybe it'll surprise me but i just don't know what this movie is going to do that the animated beauty and the beast didn't do already
0: does it feel does the soundtrack feel soulless at
1: all? Oh my word, it's it's auto tuned so much. Like I okay. think even Flo Rider would get a bit annoyed. I it mm-hmm. just like it, nothing sounds like real, and I don't know. Like it, it's just it's like it's trying not to be a show tune, but it's also like aping the show tune at the same time. Sure, and it's weird, and it, it's just weird to listen to these songs in a way like with the lyrics changed, right? Like the little interactions between Belle and like the people of the town. It just—I don't know. It's just like why? Would, i am not saying they shouldn't have changed them because I probably would have been like, "Oh, you should have changed them." But I just feel like I'm in a weird place. Like
0: I—I'm I, just worried. I don't, I'm I don't worried too, Miss. Dislike this. I don't want to dislike Emma Watson. Sure. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm kind of worried as well, just because I feel like like you. I just don't know what the point really is. Because I like Bill Condon, the director. He's usually like three out of five times I like his stuff. We got a good cast here. And we have the money from Disney to make something really extravagant with this, but like, why? Like, what are we gonna? What what purpose does it serve? And honestly, the reviews that I've seen so far have been kind of mixed. And the ones that have been more negative sound like more like, yeah, that's how I'm probably gonna feel. But I'll keep an open mind. I see it Monday. I I hope for the best.
1: I guess this is just like, look, Alice in Wonderland. That made sense to treat as mm-hmm. live action, right? Because it had been so long since we had seen, and it was cool to see And, it, and they did a different story with it, right? Like it wasn't just Alice in uh, Wonderland.
0: Again. I wouldn't call it cool, but
1: yeah, I mean, I didn't love the movie, but, <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, at least it had a point, right? I, I think even sure. Cinderella was the, I didn't love that movie either, but
0: uh, I did like that, one.
1: but it, well, it was fine because like, it was kind of, I was kind of interested in a live action Cinderella because even though I still prefer ever after, it was kind of cool to like explore. I'm using cool again to explore Cinderella as a character because the previous movie was way more like the villains are sort of the flamboyant and like the main char- the good characters are kind of simple. And so it was kind of cool to reverse that a little bit. And so you could actually have like Cinderella be like a character. And that was cool. And the prince too.
0: Are you, uh, when you say forever after, are you talking about ever after with Drew Barrymore? After. I said ever yeah. after. I didn't say forever. I think he said forever, but never mind. I meant to say ever after. Yeah.
1: Uh, and also Maleficent. The point of that, right? Was like, oh, <laughs> let's do it from the perspective of Maleficent. I was like, okay, Jungle Book, right? Like the first movie wasn't, I wouldn't say it was very good. Like I think it, people-
0: Oh, I like, Jung- it finally, I like both Jungle Books.
1: I don't think it's bad, but I think that like the new one did have a point too, because the technology <laughs> in it was amazing. And yeah. then, and, yeah, and like it did, it was like doing stuff that was like more reminiscent of Kipling's book. But it, you know, it still was, like, the animated movie, too. But And then, of course, Peach too. Dragon. Peach Dragon was such an obvious, like, take this, like, kernel of an idea that was used in a terrible movie and make a really interesting Disney, like, indie movie. Like, that was genius. But now we're at Beauty and the Beast, and I'm just kind of bored. I, I, I just don't think that there's anything you can really do it came out so recently i think it's the same it's going to be the same thing with little mermaid too
0: yeah i I mean little mermaid i'm kind of interested in because i think the sea is really interesting and i think doing that in cgi could be interesting but i don't know with beauty and beast it's like that's such a lightning in a bottle success like that relation that movie could go wrong so many ways and it almost did if you look at the behind the scenes stuff and i just i don't know like i just feel like an animation that that story kind of works but when you make it in live action it just seems creepier and yeah. weirder than already like it just works the animation because you don't really think about that stuff but when it's in live action it's like okay why would she fall in love with this buffalo man that kidnapped her
1: well we're, we're going to be talking about this a lot more next week and i definitely have more thoughts i want to get into but thank you to all of you who uh listened this week and i uh, hope you guys enjoyed kong skull island as much as will did and i guess i did too uh <laughs> that'll about do it for us. If you want to catch any more of our stuff and the things we write for, uh, just follow us both on Twitter. I think it's the easiest thing to do. I'm at John Agroni. that and we'll link to that below. And, uh, will you are at the will of ash, correct? Correct. Right. Right. Uh, I always makes to think of dark souls whenever I hear that, but, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see you guys again next week. Don't forget to download this episode, subscribe to all that stuff on iTunes and, uh, Stitcher, Google play, wherever podcasts are sold and uh, if you're checking us out on youtube subscribe to we got this covered on youtube we are going to be linking to a lot of different things uh the kong school review and written form will be linked below along with a lot of these news stories if you want any more details on thor ragnarok uh just be sure to go to we and all that stuff will be there for you and we'll put in the show notes as well uh, special thank you to maverick Hines for running the show in the background and keeping us on track uh you, we could have done it without the broadband basement it's hard to say though
2: happy to be here guys thanks for having me <laughs> he thought I was going to forget him basically
0: thanks for uh, helping out when I couldn't talk about Samurai Jack
2: <laughs> yeah no problem but also like watch it like just <laughs> yeah. do yourself a favor like
0: do it alright on that really optimistic note
1: uh, let's let's uh, salute for now uh, from the internet California I'm John Aguirre.
0: and from the internet Pennsylvania I am Will
2: and from the broadband basement I'm <laughs> Everkinds <laughs> we'll see you guys next time